count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. We live in a world of opportunity. We live on a rock that floats in space in a in a circle around a giant ball of gas that gives us all of the chemicals that we need to survive and flourish and thrive on this planet, along with a serious amount of other beings and creatures, uh, some of which we don't, we don't really know them all. We don't even have a, them all identified. We live in a world of opportunity that is composed of a set of games that have rules. And if you enact the right decisions while playing these games, you will find order amidst all of the chaos that you grapple, fight, and deal with both internally and externally on a minute-by-minute basis. Now, if you are feeling a heavy load of responsibility, if you are feeling overwhelmed, you are not alone. It seems like as the game increases, so do the responsibilities, so do the weight of them. And that is a normal thing. Comparing your responsibilities, comparing your anxiety levels, comparing what you have perceived to be good, really just an illusion of what is going good, just because certain external factors and internal factors are really actually just giving you a dopamine rush that are giving you the illusion that something is better than it was yesterday. Things are on a level playing field most of the time. Comparing yourself to others is silly. Taking the energy that you could be focusing on your audience for. You could be focusing on the betterment of yourself. Your audience exists in many tiers. It's your family, it's your friends, and it's also the people who subscribe to what you do and put out into this world, right? If you're a person who's a creative that's listening to this podcast, a person who's a musician, person who wants to put out their own project in the world, or a person who wants to sell a t-shirt, right? Take the energy that you are using to compare yourself to others and focus that on the people that are actually paying attention to you, the people that love you. Life is a series of games and do not sacrifice the winning of a game today. Do not sacrifice all of the games of tomorrow in order just to win a game of today. That's silly. These are the people that we see that are that are chasing the du jour, the style du jour, the, the, the genre du jour, right? Everything. Be you. Think about what is you? What are you? Go back and listen to that last podcast I did with David Meltzer where he talks about I am. I am is, is powerful. And then also Anthony DeMeo in the book, um, the book, uh, oh, I'm blanking, fuck, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, Awareness. Things, the three levels of self, the things, thoughts, and then the thinker. My God, that is, that is enough reading and thinking that will suffice you for a week's worth of time. 
Now, if I wasn't so darn excited about my next guest who's coming on for this podcast today, I would talk about it some more, but I'm just going to cut straight to the chase on this one, guys, because this is a this is a moment of pure bliss for me at my 25-year-old, 25 years uh, on this planet. Joe Bonamassa is one of my biggest heroes in life, hands down. When I was 12 years old, I'm 25 years old now. When I was 12 years old, I discovered who Bonamassa was when Guitar World shared a video of him playing a metal slide on YouTube, 720p definition, coming out of the screen were bolts of lightning into my 12-year-old soul that forever altered the path of my life in the way that I look at the guitar. <laughs> um, the second I discovered his music, my iPod Nano at lunchtime every day at Heritage Middle School was hijacked for me as all my friends and I ferociously listened to Blues Deluxe on repeat at blaringly loud volume levels. He has been putting out a consistent stream of work that is untouchable in contrast to anyone else in his field. Just within the past 13 years, he and his team at JNR Adventures have put out 15 solo albums that have all, 11 of them have gone to number one on the Billboard Blues charts. There is no other outlier likened to Bonamassa. He's a one of a kind, unbelievably high class act. There is no orchestration that has occurred in the music business to me that is more well executed and controlled and empathetic, understanding and giving and is diligently vertical to his fan base as Bonamassa and what Jane R Adventures do. It's endlessly inspiring, both musically, from business sense, and every angle on which perception can be had is one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. There are very little words to describe how much gratitude I have uh, for, for, for the fact that this podcast has come into fruition. Uh, without further ado, one of my absolute biggest idols, Mr. Joe Bonamassa. There's a lot of talent there. But there's a lot of poise and technique in speaking that I don't have. Really, though? Mm -hmm. But you have such a high conscientiousness in regards to the way that you conduct yourself on stage, the way you carry yourself. Look how OCD this place is. Right. There's that. But I also equate that to I can go out there, right. I can go out there on stage, play two hours and ten minutes, mm. do four minutes of material, okay, like, you know, because I try to, you know, try to find something about the town, make a joke, do a bit, you do know. Do Wikipedia things? I do that. I just, you know, I find the best way to do it is just walking around, you know. Yeah, right. And, you know, you know, it's, it, it, and it's not that shallow where you just go, you know, hey, I was on State Street today. You know, you, got, you, <laughs> you, got, you, you know, I remember I got in trouble in Wichita, Kansas, because I, you know, I, I said I was going to go into plywood business because of all the buildings that were... <laughs> <laughs> all the buildings that were boarded up. I'm like, man, I got to get in the plywood business. And, you know, and I was like, fuck, this is like state capital. But <laughs> I can tell you this, talking to my comedian friends, the loneliest 15 minutes you will ever experience is bombing with stand-up. And many who have been in the music business have tried it. Hey, you're funny. You're engaging. You can, you can make the room laugh. You can make a room of your fans laugh because they're there. Right. And if you if your jokes outweigh expectations, it's like, hey, he's a pretty funny guy, or he's a pretty funny, you know, she's a pretty funny woman. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now going to a hostile environment, ladies and gentlemen, X. 
And then the first joke bombs. Then the second joke bombs. Right. Then shit, I got to bring out the A material that you thought was that was the closer. Okay, even if that goes over well, you're six minutes into a 15-minute set. Mm, my God. Lonely. That Lonely. Is- <laughs> and if I bomb, I, there's, there's nights I bomb all the time. Like, like I tell an inside joke, and the band laughs, or Reese will roll his eyes, and, it, you know, I get a chuckle out of the girls because it just, like, you like, when I bomb, I double down. You just keep saying it, and it's just the silence gets more awkward. I just, that's my sense of humor. Same here. And it just, but when I've run out, when I, you know, run that out of its amusement release for me, I can cue a song. Let's get out of here. Let's, let's, let's play a song. And, and then everybody's back anyway. You know, you, if you're a stand-up comic, you, you don't have that, that, that luxury. You're, you're out there. So my, my hat's off to both broadcast journalists and comedians. For You're out there with no net. No neck. We were, in, um, we were in Richmond, Virginia, first show of, uh, of last year. And uh, my dad was watching Instagram Live. And he goes... He texted me after. I'm sure. I'm sure your dad was someone uh, who criticized your your ongoing progression in life. But you took it to heart because you know they want the best for you and they tell you the truth. Right. And he goes, "Guess how long you talked last night?" Right. And I go, what, five minutes." Mm-hmm. He goes, 12 minutes, fifty-four seconds." Exactly. And it was a ninety-minute show. Right. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Yeah, you're talking about what, like, thirteen percent of. The gig is, you know... Can't be doing that. Well, you know, if you're the kind of... It, it depends. It, everybody it has their lane. And it depends on the lane that you, that you want to take. Now, there are, some, there are some artists that are wonderful storytellers. Now, if I go, if I go to a Chris Christopherson gig, okay, and he just plays his hit after hit after hit in a wonderful way, yeah. says a few words, acknowledges right. the band or acknowledges the crowd. Hey, thank you, Springfield. And then leaves. I'm like, wait a minute. I want to hear the stories. Mm. You know? Because he has that, that great line. And I, I may be misquoting it, but it's like, I think it was Austin City Limits or one of those shows. He walks out and he goes, hi, my name is Chris Christopherson and I've done cocaine with more famous people than you've ever met. <laughs> and three and a four. You know, that's... You, those are storytellers. Those singer-songwriter storytellers. Guitar guys like us, like, this is a song about the time the wheel fell off. The way, it doesn't matter. Do you think the song doesn't matter as much? The In, song? <clears throat> so you're talking about the story of the song, the song itself, the, the personal equity that one has in the song. Because you're not just a songwriter. That's the weird identity thing I have here growing up in town, being a guitar act, but then... There's so many people who critique songs on such a songwriter level where it's, oh, you repeated try three times in that first verse. And it was like, oh, well, right. what's the point? I'm not, I, that's not my deal. Was that yeah. ever a thing for you? No. I mean, one right. of the things is I understand the, the, the people that labor over the slightest little word. Should we use is or we should use isn't right. in context and stuff like that. And they drive themselves mad. And or they or they they're perfectionists in the sense that they'll do take after take after take just to get the right inflection that only themselves will hear. I, I admire it, and oh, I wow. also I, I I admire it, and I also in a lot of sense, going I'm glad I didn't inherit that that level of OCD, even though you're in a very OCD space at the moment. The the notion oh, yeah. to me, you know, 
there's the it just depends on what kind of artist you want to be wow. you know like you know our job is to entertain yeah you know when people go to mm. a daniel donato cosmic country show mm. okay now what happens if all of a sudden you decided you got a packed room sold out gig mm. okay and and right. you're sitting on your artistic high horse and you're like i'm gonna make this the anti-guitar show i'm just gonna <laughs> sing can't do it right or or i'm gonna use i'm gonna use my stage you know because i'm i'm pissed off or rubbed the wrong way and I'm going to turn it now into a political you know almost like a Woody Guthrie situation you know like well those guys invented political protest songs but all of a sudden you're in Toledo and say hey listen you know I've been doing some reading and now I'm like that's not that's not that wasn't the avenue you chose and it's it's important to to understand not only the avenue you're in how you got there, and more importantly, why the fans got there because of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I know there's a certain level of, of challenging that I can do to my audience before, before the, the, the rebellion, you know? And, and I like to challenge them in some, in some cases, you know? I, I like to challenge the, the, the notion that of, you know, this, of, of Trying to trying to do different things, crossing genres, mm-hmm. and it's not all gold. And it, like you know, but if you don't try and put it out there, you never know if it's going to work. You know, I mean, there's certain things that I thought would work that flopped, and then there are certain things that were like I was embarrassed that I go, oh my god, I'm gonna like I'm gonna lose my career, and what? it worked out. Yeah, really. Yeah. There was that much fear, even though you have a career that's entirely built on your own work that you put into it. Yes, but I don't think anybody right. gets out of this thing actively without fear i know some people that you go wow why what do you care anymore like I mean, you've done it you have nothing left to prove you know i still i i still they still have that fire and i and i and i i say that to myself all the time i said you still have to have the fire and the brimstone and the fear of failure once once you once you kind of check out and the fear of failure is gone the fear of 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 you know, or, or the, the impetus to try to better yourself or challenge yourself, um, mm-hmm. then, then, then realistically, either at that point, a jukebox, you know, band or, or act, or, or you're just going to start a slow but steady decline of playing the same stuff the same way to, to a, 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 you know, a lesser crowd. What's really funny to me, mm-hmm. almost funny now, mm-hmm. to see all the success that's happened since then. Your first album, mm-hmm. Miss You, Hate You. Yeah. What an evolve. What an, what, an, what an evolution that happened in your songwriting. I feel like that, to me, was you trying to be something that you later realized that you, that's not the vein you tap into all the time. That's not... You know, I mean, when I came out, when, in my formative years, there mm-hmm. was a guy on Columbia named John Mayer. Okay? And he, Same time? He... We released, I think he put out his record when I, he put out his first album when I put out my second. So, so there was, but, you know, or maybe it was the, maybe at the same time. I have to look it up. I don't know. Um, What happens when people all of a sudden find uh, something that connects with an audience and gets shot out of a cannon success-wise. That's mm-hmm. what happened to John. Mm-hmm. He found it He found it on the downbeat. He did. And why? Because he's talented, knows what he's doing, 
knows his audience, built it organically, and he shot out of a cannon. Mm. What happens when other acts that haven't found their audience yet is you end up in a conference room in a, in a much nicer version of this table right. around a bunch of people that are making six-figure incomes telling you you need to sound like the person that just got shot out of a cannon. So my first album and my second album was kind of a, a, a product of, well, a few songs on those records were a product of like, well, we need to go after AAA radio. We need to go after that kind of... Yeah. Um, and when I say AAA radio at that time was basically, it was, the, it, it was, it was songs... You could be edgy, but guitars needed to be tucked down in the mix. You know, could, 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 it could be too, too edgy for a AAA. And the problem with radio has always been, is like if it doesn't sound like the one that came before, you know, you, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Or if, you know, and, and, and that's why you get this amalgamation of everybody sounds the same on active rock, mm -hmm. AAA, and, you know, FM and stuff like that. And it, it's been happening since there has been radio. It's like, hey, you need to sound more like Bobby Darren. He's hot, you know? You, <laughs> hey, you need to sound more like, you know, this, this guy named James Hendricks from Seattle. <laughs> you know, he's hot. You know, we need more of that guitar, you know, and the cigars and <laughs> yeah, all this right. bullshit. They're not. <laughs> these, are not these are not soothsayers. These are not musicians. These are, these are people reacting to a market. Now, you look at a guy like Clive Davis. I just watched his documentary, and my jaw was on the ground. The guy had the Midas touch. Hmm. Not everyone has the Midas touch. So I was given, I was given some advice by people, let's say not Clive Davis, about, <laughs> about the, the way to success. And then there was a point after, like, I think my 24th birthday and my second record did okay. I mean, it just did okay. But back then, you had to sell records. Like, hmm. now it's like you drop the zero. Warren Haynes had a great quote the other day. You drop the zero. If your record cost 300,000 now it costs 30 if you used to sell 300,000 now you're going to sell 30 oh, that's great that's exactly that's real. right and back then you had to sell records and to get on the, the charts both in radio and stuff like that there needed to be a huge in infrastructure and an investment this is pre-social media this is pre kind of this whole wild west world that we live in now wild west and yes you know so at that point you needed to kind of you know, either change who you were to, to placate what was on the radio or at one moment just go, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do, how I want to do it. I don't care if I end up just doing the same thing over and over again. I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around if I compromised so much mm. that, God forbid, if something did connect, but it wasn't me, it was... Um, mm. It was a, it was like, well, who the heck is this guy? And, right. and, I, and I cite this example. Um, wonderful band, wonderful musicians, great songwriters, great hard rock band. Extreme. Yeah, come on. Okay. And I've got to uh, meet Nuno and, 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 and Gary, and, and, and they're super nice cats. I have the utmost respect for them mm -hmm. as people and as musicians. When their record came out, More Than Words, you know, and the single exploded, but it was the acoustic track on the record. It was like, hey, we're just going to do that. We're going to, you know, you just put your salt and pepper on the record. Hey, this song here, we wrote this song. It sounds cool, acoustic. Great. Most of the record was high energy hard rock. Yeah, extremely hard to play, too. And, yeah. and brilliantly done. Yes. So when the second single came out, <laughs> or when people would go out and buy the record thinking it was going to be like, the whole record liked this song more than words. 
I'm showing my age because it was 30 years ago. Ah. People are going, what the hell is this? So that was kind of ingratiated in the back of my mind, ingrained in the back of my mind, in the, in the sense of like going, careful how much you compromise on this stuff because the worst case scenario and the most likely scenario is the thing flops and it's never going to go anywhere and mm -hmm. then you just start over. Or the worst, worst case scenario, you have one song that hits and, and you're, you're now typecast for that certain kind of song where, hey, I'm a blues guitar player. I'm not, I'm not a crooner. I'm not, I'm not a pop writer. And I think that's more of the kiss of death for a career than anything else is the fact that it doesn't, you're going, this is a song by committee and it was just happened yeah. to work and everybody knows this song, but they don't know I did it. And there's a bunch of people like that that have had these huge songs. A lot. And you can't even, they couldn't sell out 200 p tickets because they, the people don't know who it is. It just, they just hear it on the radio or they hear it on a TV soundtrack. And it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Now it's a little bit different landscape where people can put faces and, and they can look you up and they, you know, they either enjoy your past history or use it against you. Mm. So that's, that's the difference in the music business in 20 years. It's, it's, it's the access to information. And oh, wow, the access to info. Yeah. I have people that, like, literally, I will post something on Instagram. Yeah. And they will say, <laughs> I thought you said in 2007, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'm like, what are you fucking Reuters? I mean, how do you have this access to the information? I don't know what I said in 2007. Listen, I don't even know what I said 17 minutes ago. That's humble and it's real. You got to be that humble to, to have a clear mind. I can also, I also reserve the right to change my mind and opinion. Of course. The opinion I had when I was 28. Uh, Good God. Could be diametrically opposed to the opinion I have now. How old are you now? 43. How does 43 feel? 43 feels... Because you're not quite halfway through the 40s. Not, like, not quite halfway through the 40s. I do notice there's, there's a crossfading. Oh. And I discussed this with a friend of mine. And, you know, we used to be... You know, I used to be known as the kid guitar player and stuff like that. And... You know, man, did now, you, I'm the, now I'm the old man. You going, beat you, that. Going, you crazy kids, watch out. You know, <laughs> back in my day, we plugged straight into the amp. You know, <laughs> and I have to watch that because I never want to become the grumpy old man that I used to. I used to want to knock the chips off the shoulders. Of, you know, like because when I came up, there was like there was always the grumpy old man going, Yeah, back in my day, we didn't have anything. We didn't right. even have a PA. <laughs> you know, we shouted through Dixie cups, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like all that bullshit. But reality is, Gosh. is it's easy to, it's easy to become that. And at 43, I'm, I have the realization now that, that it is more, it, 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 I have to police, I have to police the knee jerk reactions that I get just because I may not subscribe to the method or I may not, may not know enough about things or know the macro behind the reasoning that things happen. Mm. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's... Likely. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. It is. Age, age is... You can't help age, you know. And, but I will say this. The one statement I, I, can, I can say to anybody who calls me an old man, or aren't you 50 <laughs> yet, or I didn't... I've had somebody go, I didn't think you were still alive. What? And, yeah, I mean, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I said, I said listen, you can brandish your youth... All you want. There's one certainty in this life. It will happen to you, too. Whoa. That's what... 
25 ain't forever. Wow. 35 ain't forever. 43 ain't forever. It will happen to you too. And, it, and, and once you get your head around that, then it, then it, becomes, it, it becomes easier to digest. I'm really fascinated by not having to be afraid of succeeding. And I, so, like, I feel like I wonder at 25, you were probably still afraid of not succeeding. Still am. The thing but is... How, but, like, that literally can't be possible, like, looking at all this. I've, like, been, I, I've, been, I've been extraordinarily lucky in my career. I'm a blues guitar player with a funny last name, uh, arguably quirky singing voice, and no hit songs. But how'd you, like... Uh, but it's so beautiful. Like it's such. It's so beautiful and it's so truthful. Enthusiasm and oh. conviction. If you do oh, something right. that that you're right. that you believe in, and that you're and you're good at, mm. and it may not be everybody's cup of tea, you will eventually find those who it is their cup of tea. Right. You know. You remember those old ads? Maybe again, I'm showing my age. <laughs> you remember those old ads? Like on the infomercial days, there'd be like, you know, you'd like, you know, after Saturday Night Live, and it'd be like, oh yeah, like, like, ladies and gentlemen, introducing to the world, a man who sold millions and millions and millions of records, Zamfir on the pan flute. You're like, how the fuck does this guy sell millions of records on <laughs> pan flute music, right? <laughs> he did. He did. Right. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you told me about this the other and, day. And, and the, one of the things is like. Yeah. He went out and found pan flute fans. Mm. Apparently, there are millions of them. You know, I hate when people rag. Wow. On, I hate when people rag on Kenny G. I hate when people rag on Kenny G. I was just gonna say Kenny be, G be, because yeah. they go, oh, Kenny G. It's just, it's just a, it's just a, they just furrow their brows and like you know, like what, what will my friends think? Hmm. That sells millions of records, and he found his audience, and there's millions of people in the world that like his music. He does arenas in Japan. He does arenas. and like and what? And the thing is, he, he found a sound that connected with a group of people. And once everybody gets their head around that, not everybody is for everyone. You know, right. I, get up, I get all uptight when people rag on Clapton. How do you rag? He's God, right? There's some people that just don't, never got it or didn't get it or don't get it. Now, I don't, I don't understand how they can come to that conclusion because to me it's, you know, it's so obvious that right. he's as great as he is. But I do understand now having 31 years experience in the music business and seeing it from 360 degrees going, well, if you don't like it, I'm going to go find other people that do. And that should give everyone hope <sighs> that is out there slugging it out day after day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, that if you, if you play with conviction, if you, if you are who you say you are, mm. and not try to just slide from seat to seat following right. trends, you can find that audience. It may not, you may not sell out Madison Square Garden, but you'll be successful in your, the word is tranche of, 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 the music business, you know, it's, it's your lane and you can do whatever you want with it. You know? When did that, when did the not giving a fuck of owning your own lane kick in? When everybody didn't give a fuck. This is the thing. Man. Oh, fascinating. Ne necessity is mother of invention. It's, I say it every day. And when nobody wants to sign you, you're like, okay, I'll <laughs> sign myself. You know, and my manager have been together for almost 30 years. 
And like we were passed on by everybody, blues labels, major labels. I was on Epic Records for a couple of years. That's how I met Tom Dowd. Um, but dropped after the weeks after the first record came out. Weeks. Weeks. Like what? five weeks after. That How was does like that I, I think it, it record came out in August because we're at the twentieth anniversary this month, and uh, or next month, and I was dropped like by October first. It was over, and, <laughs> and then we go around. You know, you go to the usual suspects and kind of meandered a little bit, and finally you just go. We're just gonna have to do it ourselves, or go into the plywood business like I wanted to in Wichita, Kansas, and, and, and board up the windows and go home. So right. there's that. And one of the things I always tell people is mm. if you have a B plan, chances are in the most critical moment of your career and life in music, you will, you will take the hammer, break glass, and pull the lever. That is, to me, wow. the worst way you can... You can you can do it because if you have a B plan, oh, I got, I got something to fall back on. I can always work at my dad's shop or I can always work at anything, blah, blah, blah. But if your back's up against the wall, you have no other option to go this way or forward. Hmm. If, you, if, if, you, if, you have, if your back's against the wall, but the wall's made of styrofoam and, the, and you can go back another five feet or do... You will. You will. You will. You will. Because the music business will test your will. It will test your stamina. It will test your constitution for, for uncertainty, pain and suffering, and thanklessness. Meaning in the sense that, you know, it's like, this is a thankless job. I'm out here playing to nobody. Nobody likes me. Nobody likes the, the music. This is hopeless, and you're trying to keep your band's morale up. Going, no, this is really oh. going somewhere. Meanwhile, you you know buying closed doors. You're going, how am I doing out here? The Memphis story is one I I think of. The Golden oh. Goose, yeah. The There's goal. a few. Uh, the, uh, Isbell put out that thing a few years ago. Who's done the? Who's had the Golden Goose? And, it, and it's like it was nice to see. I wasn't the only one. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's funny what 20 years will show you. Who sticks it out? Who doesn't? Well. Who stays true? Who doesn't? You know, the problem is, is the, the ones that become envious have, to me, no say in the matter whatsoever because they, did, they weren't there in Memphis in 2000, wow. you know, in September 2000 on a rainy night, playing for the door, Yep. and zero people showed up. <laughs> zero. Okay, and that's back in 2000 when it were, you know... <laughs> The hotels, I mean, like minimum you're doing, a, you know, I mean, your burn is 300 bucks to 700 bucks a day. Before B&B, mm. you had to even get hotels. Like, my Air gosh. BM, Airbnb, what the hell is that? Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> Dude, you're at the Days in. You're at the Motel 6, so you know? And it. basically, by the time you said done it, on any level, okay, from the, from the most infantile stages of your career, you have to budget yourself as $1,000 a day between your salaries, yep. whoever you're paying, the yep. gasoline, the, the, the discomfort in it's a fine chain of hotels but we used to call it the discomfort in, especially in certain areas of the south where they weren't maintained as well I and thought in, this wasn't a smoking room and it's a smoking room it, it was now <laughs> yeah, right. it was today yeah. and so when you're circumnavigating all of that both mentally physically and emotionally because there's an emotional context to it I've just dedicated my life to truly this is. thing you know, and it didn't work out, and I really put myself out there, and it's been rejected. So you're feeling rejection, you're feeling 
financial strain you're feeling that you're nobody and because people in the music business are just so fucking nice all the time you know you know and, and if you do run into a manager or an executive they can't help but brag about how other people are doing right in front of you not to make you feel bad and to make themselves feel good <laughs> right it's real it's real it happens all the time and now i'm at a stage both in life and in career where i just i can i can say to anybody Stop saying that. I don't care. I'm happy for everyone's success. Please spare me the music business jargon that I've heard for 30 freaking years. You just have to just say it out loud. Because, because, like, what do they, you know, like, you know, you know, okay, so, so, so what? Somebody figured it out, okay. You know, you won't be the first, won't be the last. Won't be the last. Can you stay there? And be... Do you know why you figured it out? C, can you figure out if it shut, if all of a sudden the success comes fast and furious and then all of a sudden goes away? Hey, wait a minute. I don't even know how I got here. I don't know how I lost it. But what the hell just happened? It's a whirlwind. Oh, and I forgot this, this convenient fact of, uh, you know, because I'm going through the traditional music business system, going, oh, I forgot to ask for any money. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so now you're famous and broke. God, and, no thanks. And, and it has been after after one lap around the track, you like, uh, you see it all the time. You go like, man, I, I, you know, I feel for these people. I feel for them because because it that's a. I'd rather be the never ran. I'd never be the the, the never made it, fighting the good fight, than have it all thrust upon you, and then go, I, I just lost it, and now, you know, I was selling out this venue. Now I'm back to the same venue I started when I was a kid playing for the door. God. Like, and I don't even know how I got there. I don't, I don't know how I got to the, the big time, and I don't know how I made it back to the small time all within an 18-month period. That's too much for the ego to handle. I don't think it's too much, you know, and I, well, I used to have a manager. My label left me. My, my God. My agent won't return my call. Um, my God, man. You know, um, wow. you know, my publicist, you know, disavows me. Never, you know, and, and you're like, you're like, what, what the hell just happened? You know, Whoa. all because the second single wasn't as good as the first. So is that because people? You find that people, because you've seen a lot of people have success. Like you've seen someone who, like John Mayer, mm-hmm. that guy still has success, right? And that guy's because, still a hero to many people because he's that good. So are most most people are not that good. That's the truth in life. Well, they always say there's only one John Mayer. There's only one Eric Clapton. There's only one Glenn Hughes. There's one Joe. There's one, you know, there's the people that are able to sustain it, but they also have the Midas touch. And, and, and time and time again, I, I remember listening to the, to the radio. Wow. And W-O-U-R 96.9 FM, yep. Utica, New York, and a guy named Jerry Krause announces, hey, listen, I'm about to play the new Tom Petty single. And it was a song called Last Dance with Mary Jane. So this is probably mid-90s, right? And I'm listening to it. And I go, I go, son of a bitch, he did it again. Got the Midas touch. Got the Midas touch. Works his ass off. And those kind of songs don't just fall out of the sky. They worked it and they worked it. And watching the movie about, you know, the Heartbreakers, there was a lot of pain and suffering and punching of walls. And and it was, they they were pushing themselves. But you go, they got the minus touch. And that's why there's one late, great Tom Petty. Wow. You know? and, wow. and that's, there's the difference, you know? And that's, and that's, 
it's true about anything. There's one LeBron, you know, there's, there's one Tiger Woods, there's one whoever, you know. There's, 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 you know, there's always, there's always a select few in any aspect of life that you go, you know, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, like if you threw javelin for a living, there's, you know, you go to, you go to a javelin conference and, you know, you know, Omaha, Nebraska and be like, oh, that's, you know, that, that's, that's Kip, you know, that's Kip Serene, you know, <laughs> Kip Serene. don't you know who Kip Serene is? With an E. Guy's a fucking legend. Right? Yeah. <laughs> In every space, there's of course. always those guys. It's know. called a uh, Pareto's curve. Right. So it's uh, there's 10% put out more than 50% of the success that happens. Exactly. In. Right. And if you look at the blues realm, mm-hmm. that is you. Well, I would I would say I've had a good part of it in the last 20 years. I think now it's it's uh, you know I think Gary Clark is doing a great job. What he's doing, I think he's really struck a nerve with his sound and very cool. And, Influencing a, a, a new generation. New generation. That 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 were too young or didn't didn't weren't hip to what I was doing, and and, and that's great to see because the more people in the genre, the better off the genre is. And you know, I had a good run for for 20 years. I mean, we put out 44 albums in 20, 20 years. How did and that happen? Well, um, lots of, you know, there was, I think I have, well, the one from Abbey Road will be my 14th studio album, okay? Then you have all the live stuff. We did all live at Carnegie Hall, live at Radio City, Albert Hall twice. Um, Tour de Force? Tour de Force, there's all four venues. And the content around that, too, just the whole thing. And we did, you know, I've done this, you know, did stuff with Rock Andy Funk Party. Yep. Um, did stuff with Black Country Communion. Those were all five record events, you know, between there's always a live continuous. So by the time you start adding it up, adding it up, and you just, you know, you, you, you kind of like yeah. clear the cobwebs off and you go like, wow, we've been very, very active. We've asked a lot from our audience in the last 20 years, you know, but I've also been musically adventurous, you know, um, and, and, you know, happy to put out a record like the Sleep Easies, which is basically Telecaster-based, you know, guitar music. Uh, why? Because I like it, and I, I, I just can only use myself as a barometer. If I like it, then, 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 then maybe my fans will like it. Right. Oh, sorry. I think your batteries. Oh, battery said. Power of editing. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I got a new one here for you. The Nerdville glasses, huh? Huh? How does that happen? Where does all the merchandise come in? Well, you realize it. You have a merchandise company. Is that who I met with the other day? Huh? Is that who I met with the other day before our Skype session? No, that was Rachel, and I don't know who else. That was the internet guys. Um, I was thinking today as I drove here, I would love to have a cosmic merchandise company one day. Hmm? That's so funny that you have one. That's so beautiful. The ancillary. Well, people ask me like, where, where do you get the, where do you get the fucking keychain and you know, and just the stupid ideas that I have. Well, you realize I have a merchandise company, which is it's a lot easier when they, basically, if you called Broken Arrow, cold and said, "Hi, I'm Dan, and now can I get some wine glass made?" Like, unless you have an account with us, sir. No, blah, blah, blah. So, they do these one-off things for me, and and they like it. So, when did that start? Because you have the tribute, is isn't tribute as well? Tribute, yeah. That, we kind of folded that into just. Um, it was a, a guy named Manuel. Uh, Swipes? 
Manuel, the, uh, the, the, the Western Taylor? No, 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 no. Um, he doesn't work. Uh, I'll, if you want to start the camera. I'll, oh, that's okay. It's all good. Um, Manuel worked for us uh, for years, and he uh, was a great uh, designer from Miami. And um, Manuel uh, recently left the company because he's now, he, he's now an anti-gun activist. Anti-gun activist. And I'll tell you why he's an anti-gun activist. See, I didn't even know you had an opinion on guns. I, I don't have a, an opinion. I can tell you why Man, Man, Manuel is an anti-gun activist. Right. A couple years ago, both Manuel and Sal in our office had son, sons go to school, like any other school uh, day, in Parkland, Florida. Sal's no son came home. Manuel's son, Joaquin, who just turned, would be turning 20 this year, did not. Manuel is now an anti-gun activist. And he, he, you've probably seen, he's been on television a lot. He's been, um, oh he paints murals in cities, of, you know, and, um, you know, Dwayne Wade, you know, uh, he, you know, uh, Joaquin, was, he was a big Dwayne Wade fan, and Dwayne Wade really, you know, Helped out in both expenses and just at, you know you know awareness and and it was a real tragedy for our office um, and that's you know what happened to that and Manuel now is he's he's a he's a full time you know he 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 said I, I need to leave the company and be and do this for my son and and you know I respect that 100 percent because you know if anybody has a right to an opinion it's that guy you it, know? that's very real and and. Very real. My opinions I keep to myself on all of it because it's so polarizing. Um, but it was a real sad day for us because I remember seeing it, calling down, going, isn't that where Sal and Manuel's? I mean, like, I didn't know, but I was like, I was like this seems awfully close, you know? And they're like, yeah, so they're waiting to hear back. And 2 o'clock in the morning, the, the following day, I got the call from uh, my manager. And he said, yeah, this is, this is so fucked up. And so that's that, that's so that's you know in a long story short, my God, that's what happened with um, wow. with, with tribute and and you know Manuel's you know contributions to our company, which are great and, and vast and and my you know, God. We, we still we still you know he still visits the office and helps us out on a few things, but he's he's busy with other stuff. Whoa, yeah. The, the entrepreneurial endeavors; those are the things that over your twenty years you've been unbelievably. So my, in your own niche, able to scale in such a classy way where every time I talk to a guitar player or someone who else is in the music business, no one ever besides me, I'm not trying to sound like I'm on a high horse, no one ever recognizes the amount of awareness that you have to how people look at who and what J&R Adventures is, was, where it's going. And it's like, that was something I realized when I saw you a couple blocks away at TPAC in 2009. Right. The amount of awareness that was going on into the merchandise, into how the stage was going, that's something that, that's a business-minded individual. Yeah, and, and you know, um, you know I, I make a joke that in some circles I'm known as like the Krusty the Clown of the Blues. And I understand, <laughs> we, 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 have a, we have a lot of merchandise. So many uh, Simpsons references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge Simpsons fan, but... It, and Krusty has a lot of merch, and that was that was the that was the that was the gag. The thing about <laughs> the thing about the music business is mm. is you just have to choose the type of artist 
I'm a commercial blues artist. What is that even though? In two thousand commercial blues artist is you go out there and you and, and and you create art and you monetize the art. That's a brand. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like just like Peter Max is a commercial artist. I okay. Yeah. Uh, my friend Peter's been uh, I've been friends with Peter for almost twenty years, and he's a commercial artist, and he sells prints and lithographs and things to to people that like Peter Max art. Mm-hmm. I sell prints and lithographs and bobbleheads and beach towels. VIP and, meet and greets and I don't. We do, we give away a meet and greet with like if you buy an amp and a few things. If you buy a, I will never sell a handshake ever. Those are free. Oh, fascinating. Unless okay. you donate to PBS, which again that's keeping public broadcasting going on. And I'm happy to to meet and greet people that make a donation to PBS. I don't I don't profit from that at all. Okay, I see. Because I don't sell, I, uh, I'll sell you a bobblehead, but I won't sell you a handshake. Handshakes for free. If we can still shake hands. Now, this is a, this is a, like, it's a different time. It's a different time. <laughs> but, but ultimately, right. you, you, you monetize art. Now, there's some people that, that take a different stand on that, which is, which is completely, 100%, I respect. Absolutely. I just, I just choose to do it a different way. And, you know... Because one way is, there's no one way is right and one way is wrong. Life is about choices, you know? Oh, wow. And as long as you're not hurting other people. Right. As long as you're not taking advantage of them, ripping people off, you know, you know, you know, it, it, then, then you should sleep well at night. No, then you go, okay, you know, we, we've monetized art. And, and, wow. and, uh, I don't see it any other way. To me, it's a very clear-cut issue, in the sense that you don't have this. You don't have this. You can't let. You can't let the. the you can't let the. You're going to either commit to one or the other. You yeah, know, the, of course. The gray area is tough. It's like, oh, you know, well, you know, I see somebody selling kind of T-shirts. Well, then maybe I should sell T-shirts. But there's a whole infrastructure that goes along with creation of the of the images and the and the work that goes in there's it's 24 7 you know and wow is it really so you own all the machines that print the that that print the graphics no we don't own the machines we we have the creative people and 24 7 there's a point and click on the website where people can go and buy a cable or they can buy a amplifier they can buy a cd if they still need a cd um, Isn't that crazy? Someone asked me the other day, do you have any CDs pre-order? And I, mm-hmm. I, I realized that my lack of empathy had not thought of that specific <laughs> consumer. Right. Because my Toyota Corolla does not play CDs. This is the thing. It's not lack of empathy. It's just lack of CD players. <laughs> <laughs> different problem. It's a different problem. Because <laughs> I always right. tell people they, like, they want to hand me a CD. On, I used to get tons of road CDs. You oh, know? And man. I've always said, okay, I'll, I'll listen to them. And I, and I do. I do try to get through one or two tracks of every CD that, that's given to me. Of course. You know, I'm not a star maker, so I don't know what to do with them. Um, right. But I respect anybody who has... Here, check this out. Of course. And so what I do is I take the stacks home, and I, do, I still have a car that plays a CD. Take the stacks home, <laughs> and every three or four days, oh my God. I, I switch the stacks out in my car. So I wow. Just, uh, 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 you know. and, and once that particular brand of vehicle stops offering a CD player, I don't know what to tell you. Adapt. Because I, I don't have a CD player. Wow. 
And there's some people that try to give you a, a stick, like, you know. The USB the, thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird one. I said, one. well, that's okay. I said, but the conspiracy theorist in, in me goes, well, maybe you're going to, I'm going to get some sort of virus on the computer. Of course. Or malware or spyware, and all of a sudden, you know, like, of hacking into my bank account and all that kind of stuff. Terrifying. So I'm leery of that kind of behavior because I'm terrible with technology and I just like, so I always just say, just send me a link, send me a direct message or send me a link or send the office a direct message saying I spoke to Joe and, that, and that's how I usually listen now. Is, is, it's, it's a lot, it's just a lot easier and you're saving plastics and trees and a lot of that stuff. Are you listening to a lot of music these days? I've just been so Not inspired as much anymore. by new music. I, I don't even listen to music right now. Yeah, I... I have to force myself sometimes because I find myself getting into that, that mode, you know, it's like, if I listen to music now, given what's going on, it reminds me of a different world. Right. Like yesterday I had to go to storage and I hadn't seen my stuff since wow. we got, since we got sent home in March 12th. Wow. So I have a wardrobe case where I keep all the, the Sears activewear suits for the stage. And what I a have, dream, the wardrobe case. Oh, it's a, it's, it, My it is, God. it's a dream. It is, is really a dream. dream. And I have a wardrobe case. I go in there and I just, I had to, I had to shut it. I said, it reminded me of a time uh. that a much simpler time where you go, right. you're like, wow, this was a couple months ago and we were just doing gigs like we always do gigs. You know, moving around, traveling, shaking hands. Shaking hands. Going to a restaurant, walking down the street, not politicizing masks or no masks and all this nonsense that becomes like, uh, I, I, like, like, I wear the mask because two reasons. Mm -hmm. I've been a germaphobe for 20 years since I started singing professionally. You need your own mic. And Everyone. Gotta have I've been a social distancer also for 20 years because <laughs> I, I just don't feel like people in general to communicate need to be six inches from each other. I just, of course. You know, that's just, these are, these are old tenons of my, my existence. And my thing is, it's like I wear the mask because not only do I respect other people around me, I also respect the, the, the business owner. And, and three, not so, so important, is I don't know the etiquette. Who's a mask? No mask. This, that. You don't have to do it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And I just go, well, you know, three months ago, four months ago, if I walked around with, with, with a hat and glasses on and a Joe Bonamassa mask and I walked into a bank looking like they would be good hitting the button. Indeed like, they would. Like going, uh, call the cops. You know, <laughs> we're about to get robbed. You're right. <laughs> but now if you don't, you're not even allowed in. So it, it's like... It's very strange. Paradigm shift kind of stuff. So it's, to me, it's just, it, it's, it's not a great sacrifice to just put the, put a mask on. It, you know, it's, it's some, some folks tend to, 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 you know, you know, put it on par with, you know, the, the, the kids who storm the beaches at Normandy. It's like, this is, this, that's, <laughs> that's sacrifice. Okay. <laughs> put a mask on. Go people to McDonald's. Are, they're too on. full of themselves, people. I, as I was walking into your apartment today, I parked my car right out front. And I was sitting there just for a minute. I got here a little early, as I like to. You strike me as the same kind of a guy. You got to get there on time or early. Yeah. Right. And so I, there was in front of this Walgreens, and this guy was not wearing a mask. And this woman came up to him and just was saying everything, you know, right-wing, conservative, fuckface, and like, just like unbelievable things to say to someone literally just walking by. 
And it's so weird to see people get told what to do and everyone act that way in a four-month period. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder, I've been singing to these people. I've been playing guitar for these people for years. Like, they, they have this in them. I, it's a very strange thing to see. This is the best thing about what we do. What is that? The best thing about what we do, because I don't, I don't, I have my own political opinions. I keep them to myself. I, I don't get into politics. I do not get into the stuff that I see on the street. It's just, I it's agree, too yeah. divided and too entrenched. Yeah, indeed. The great thing about what we do yeah. is we offer escapism. Right. And when you look out to an audience of 200 people, an audience of 100 people, an audience of 10 people. Your analytics would be just off if you didn't assume that there are 10 Democrats, 10, uh, you know, 10 Republicans in a crowd of 20 people. So why, why even bother getting into it? Why does it matter? It doesn't matter. Why, why bother getting into it when you're there to play music and make everyone happy? It's yeah. the great uniter. It's, it it's not the, you don't want to go out there like, oh, here's what I, you know, here's what I think. And then half the people think you're, you know, worse than Mussolini. And, <laughs> half, the, and half the people think you're the, you know, you, you should run for Congress. Uh, it makes no sense to me, pragmatically, to... To divide. To, to right. no, to, to use the microphone for anything other than singing the ballad of John Henry. Man, I can't, there is an artist... And it's like, mm. if you're a protest singer, you've started out as a protest singer. You were influenced by protest singers, and you and 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 you, your protest is through song. That is a certain type of artist. I'm not that. I'm not an activist. I have my own opinions on things. I I don't personally feel right now. You, I think everybody can agree on this. I just don't feel like we're in a very good place mm -hmm. as a as a, as a as a nation. Yeah, as a group of people. It just feels odd feels strange. Angry, divided, just like you're saying. You have somebody saying something to somebody about not wearing a mask, and then it, be, it with, within... Walkers. Nobody's saying anything, going, hey, hey just, just put it on as, as a common courtesy to your fellow citizen. They're not saying that. They, they're, they're accused... It, it, become, it, it devolves into political headbutting within, within three sentences on, on either side. And it's, it's just... That's not, that's not a society that's healthy and regardless of you know because then you're going to go okay well who's to blame then so like, it's because of this and because of that and so and so this and so and so that that's for everybody else to figure out not me just walking on the street driving in a car mm. living in a society as a semi-retired blues guitar player come on is you, you just, there's a palpable anger that feels like a pressure keg. A pressure keg. Like, like, it, like it's, it's, Genius. it's, it's one match strike away from, from stuff you haven't seen in a lifetime or in two lifetimes or hundreds of years. It, it is, it is, it just, it just, everybody needs to just take the rhetoric down and, 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 just remember that human beings are human beings mm -hmm. and, wow. and treat each other with respect and respect everybody's culture, everybody's religion, everybody's 
I just just this is a monicum of respect, and it could the 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 the, the pressure in this thing could 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 go down, you know. And people are very passionate on every issue. There's not a single issue that isn't argued about in the in the most extreme ways now. Insane. I stay out of it. I don't even want to get into it. The man in the suit. The man in the suit. I, I, that was something. The man that, in the suit doesn't want to get into it, and the guy in the in the in the flannel doesn't in the want to get into it. <laughs> Nobody wants to get into it. Why would I? That's the thing, man. Where I feel like you've relieved yourself of so much duty that's unnecessary. Where you, where I think it's. I don't know if you've ever looked into stoicism, um, no. but everything you point to is so unbelievably stoic, and um, it's a very old way of looking at life, and like Marcus Aurelius and and uh, Socrates, but you're able to separate yourself from the guy in the flannel, the guy in the suit. And that's something that I feel like has such an explanation for the way that you've been able to, to like, you're talking about choose the artist you are. And it's like, well, of course, like get over yourself and see where you fit in society. Right. Then it's like, what yeah, are you naturally good at? Like, what do you right. do? Right. Like, I mean, would it like, and, so real. And, I, and I think, I think where you fit into society, where you fit into the music business, where you fit into any, any profession in life, I think it's kind of obvious from the downbeat based on your personality, based on your wow. your choices and based on your your ability to to converse with other people, you know? And I have a hard time conversing with other people, especially historically when I was a kid, and I found my my way of expressing myself was through a guitar. And Man. and it was it was I just found that and it, so I naturally fit into like hey check this out I can play this I don't have to say anything I can just play and people clap and they and they like you you know they stopped though for a little to, while I don't have to you know you know to 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 converse god like not talking to people that's great <laughs> you know and that's a you know I think everybody finds their their their, their niche in life you know I I think ultimately they find what they're good at, and 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 then they get into something that almost feels like two north ends of a magnet, and it kind of repels. And you go, okay, well then you find you find the you find the you find the the the, the, the avenue that that works for you. And it, I mean, it's God, it's the it's music, you know, it's music in general. You just go, you know, I love classical music. I, I'm, I'm not going to be a classical violinist, you know, you know. Yeah, you you know, you're you're, you're you're encouraging, like, you could do anything, kid. It's not real. It's not real. That's not true at all. I'm good at guitar, you know? I know that. <laughs> yeah, you right. know, and it's like this notion of being this, like, you know, Superman. It's just, just, that just doesn't. Didn't that freak you out, though, when you got all this appraise when you were, you know, a young kid, 14, 16, 17, mm -hmm. 18? And then for a while, when it actually came time for you, the chest hair is there, you pay the bills now. It's not your dad fronting the gas money. No. That, and then the people weren't coming to the show. That's a scary reality. That's a scary thing that you brave, in a very brave and noble way, faced and mm -hmm. came out on the other side unbelievably stronger and more refined. Yeah. Well, I'm still paying the gas bill. You You're know? right. That's true. There's just more vehicles to put gas in, you know? It doesn't stop. Right. It doesn't stop. One of the things you, you need to know is, if you want to be a solo artist, is is it's never anybody else's problem but yours. Come on. There's people that have people to help 
take care of problems when they come up. There are some people that, are, that like to remain oblivious to problems when they come up and have other people take care of them. Of course. But they're still your problems. Trickle down. You know, and, you know, like we've, you know, had situations where, you know, we're on our way from, we're like a, like a long drive on an overnight and the crew bus breaks down, okay? You can go, that's, that's the bus company's problem. No, that's your problem. Because guess what? You don't have a crew to set up the, the, the gear. <laughs> and I don't know how to hang a PA. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like it, that's your problem. So when you just go, well, let the bus company sort it out. No. Well, you may not have a show tomorrow. As opposed to be proactive, be like, I don't care what it costs. Get these guys on planes. So you would always sacrifice the, the today to pay for tomorrow. Absolutely. I would always sacrifice anything to make sure that the fans that were that booked tickets for that show of course. have no idea that all this just went down. You owned the PA? So did you start owning everything right as soon as you could? I rent the PA, but I bring my own. Um, and we, 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 we bring our own lights and PA and sound and catering and everything. Wow. And, um, bring your own chef? We have three. That, you that, have three bona chefs? Well, it, it basically, it, it's like you can. We were paying such a high price for local catering, and getting a a Bunsen burner tray of baked ziti. <laughs> and then you look at the bill, and you're like, "What is this? This is I made baked ziti, okay? <laughs> you know, this is you know, this is like this is like seven pounds of PNR macaroni and some sauce, and some, like there's no way that this is worth twenty five hundred dollars." Whoa. So then you start bidding it, you know, you bid it out and, and you go, wait a minute, you can hire a catering company to do the same thing. And the only cost that you absorb is the travel and the, and the, and the hotels. And then you go, well, yeah, it is more expensive, but what you are investing in is people. And you're investing in morale and smiling faces. And you don't, you don't, you don't even think about it twice because at the end of the day, those people that work for you every day to put that show up and to set it up right. and then most importantly, tear it down. That's, that's what you, and you go, it's a no brainer. And then all of a sudden, once, once the Bunsen burners and, and the baked ziti went, went away, then <laughs> the morale just improves because everybody's health improves and that they look forward to dinner. They look forward to, you know, they look forward to, 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 you know, they're inspired, they're more healthy, and, and, and it's, and it's I, I, we do it all the time. We invest in people. Wow. And if you do that over and over again, step and repeat, then you always have a good crew around you. You know, and my crew um, have been around a long time with me, and we, we don't have turnover. Um, you, be, be, you know, we have very few people that turn over that because they know we do the right thing by them. Wow, wow. And it, it's, it's at nobody else's expense but our own, but that's how you do it. You know, you don't, you don't just go, well, you know, I, I, saved, I saved 1,600 bucks by, you know, <laughs> you know, cutting the carrots out of the salad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like wait, wait a minute. I mean, because you can get into the macro, you know. Do you really need Dijon mustard? Can French's won't? I mean, like, uh -huh. there's those little things, you know. And you don't want to get that disease of, of, of cutting every, of, cutting every corner because you're not going to get good people to work for you. You, you, so you must have been in debt for some time. 
No. You never went into debt? Never went into debt. Oh, that's never, insane. Never, never took out a loan. Yes. Yeah, I didn't have any money. That's the thing. It's if you build a business organically the right way, the, on 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 the way up, you don't you don't you don't need it. But didn't Roy find you when you were you're very young? You're 14, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like that guy didn't know how to build a business, did he? Yeah. At that time, Roy's a accountant major. Oh, he's an accountant, so he absolutely knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, and and he's brilliant at it. Wow. And he understands. He's a brilliant money manager because he went to college for that, and his father managed. Great acts like Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, and Did he uh, really? Stephen wow. Eadie, Don Rickles, basically the Rat Pack, you know, Indeed. Dean Martin, Liza Minnelli. And, you know, those, those acts needed a home in the 80s and 90s when, when again, it's like when, the, when the, the mainstream music business goes another way and you're left here and you're like, wait a minute, that's all I do. You know, Elliot came and said, listen, we'll sort you out. And, and, and there's people that, you know, who doesn't, you know, who doesn't like Frank Sinatra? You know, like there's people who still want to see Frank Sinatra. It may not be the hippest thing to, 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 to say at an at a, at a industry party going, yeah, I manage so-and-so. Listen, it's, it's, it's the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra. So Elliot offered these, these services to acts and managed their careers, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, from their mid-60s to the time they, they, they retired, yeah. Unbelievably astounding. Yeah, so Roy grew up in the music business. He, he knows knew. the music business. Wow, I did not know. Through his father, and, you know, Elliot's a legend, and, and he, so we learned, so one of the, one of the things you, you do start understanding about these kind of endeavors mm. is what to do. Yeah, everybody's got a plan. That's what to do. The most important thing is what not to do, you, you, to understand the pitfalls and the ones that are just, yeah, you take chances, but there's the ones that are just, like, it's just written all over the place. It's like, this is going to fail. This is a guarantee. You know, like, you're throwing good money after bad. And so Roy knew all that going in, even as a kid. He's 10 years older than me. So he's 53, and I'm 43, and we met when I was 13. So he was 23, and I was 13. And that's, we've been together, this will be 30 years at the end of this year. That's kind of a surreal relationship to have with one person. Ask any manager, artist, have they been there 20, 20 30 years? And be like, no. Everybody, everybody jumps around. It's like, yep. it's, it's, you know. But Roy and I have been together for 30 years. Even when there weren't Bonamassa sales, even when there wasn't any tickets happening. The first 17 years were, were pretty, pretty lean. Are you serious? 17 years to when you were 30 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Th 30 years. I mean, it, it was, it, I was 30 years old. I mean, we were, we were starting to get a bit of a following in Europe. Still struggling here in America. And Europe then, first, huh? And then, and then wow. somehow we managed this gig at Royal Albert Hall, and we sold it out. And, and Mr. Clapton came, and then it was a big event. We recorded it as a Indeed. DVD, spent every dollar we had on it. Mm, really? Okay. It came out. It did okay. It was just, I drove it to Albert Hall. It was kind of selling at the same rate as our other stuff was selling. And then PBS. And the affiliate in Albany, New York, because I was from around those parts, yeah. asked if they could get an hour edit of the PBS. 
of, of, of the Albert Hall show for PBS for their fundraiser. And they basically said, you know, we're going to run it and see how it goes, but we think we can do okay because Joe's from around here. <laughs> so funny. And somehow it just exploded. Yeah, true. And that, and that was the explosion. And by the time I was 31, my fortunes had changed. We were playing venues that I could only dream of. Yeah. But you were doing TPAC. You were doing, you were doing PACs way before Albert Hall. Yeah. But we were doing, you know, for the Tennessee Performing Arts Center, there's two places. There's the Polk and then there's the Brown Theater. That is real, right. So we were playing the Polk Theater, which I believe we were doing. We were doing pretty good. Nashville's always been great to me. Um, mm. At that point, we were doing between 900 and 1,000 seats. Good, great business. Great business. Great business. You said at 500 is when you start making money. That's when, well, that's when you can start scaling it and, you know, investing in production and you start making some real money. Mm. And, but after that, it was, it was just every major performing arts center was on the table, the biggest rooms in, the, you know, in that world. Um, and it was all on the backs of PBS because because they would run this concert, and people were like you know they're going who the hell is that, hanging out with Clapton, you know, uh-huh. like, you know like, it was like it was like me, and then they would they would they would ring in and buy the tickets. All of a sudden the tickets would fly off. It was crazy, 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 and and it was you're going from a 10 person meet and greet to 150 and you're like what just happened literally from april to september april to no time yeah no time it was, it was april we were just cruising along doing what we do next thing you know there's another bus there's there's 150 people in the lobby what that i've never met before i don't recognize anybody because you normally you can you do, you recognize. You recognize people. Yeah, you it's do. like a community. And that's beautiful. I love that. It's great to see your friends in Columbus and, you once know. Once a year, you see them twice a year. Once a year, twice a year. And, you know, people in Georgia, yeah. people in Miami, it doesn't matter. You know, like, it's a community. It is, truly. Now I'm like, and it wasn't lost on me, and it's still not lost on me. Like, like, I'm, like not. I would go in the lobby. I'm like, going, man, there's more people out here than there was at my first show in the market. You know what I mean? You go to Orlando, there's 150 people out there going, we couldn't draw 17. You know, like, was it that, really, you couldn't even draw 17 people at one point? No. It was tough. That's was, insane. How yeah. are you, what was the deal? Like, were you just crazy to just be like? Well, we would, we were, we would pepper our yep. solo tours, and I had a, a bunch of people that were really supportive of me. George Therogood being one of them, Peter Frampton, B.B. King, um, yep. Fabulous Thunderbirds, yeah. you know, um, it, the, 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 the list would go on and on. Doobie Brothers, um, Bad Company, Foreigner, you know. So I would be like, because I was on, had, had an agent that was just like, hey, I just, we were the $500 act that would go on in, in the amphitheater before anybody showed up. Of course, yeah. And the worst were Fridays because you're going at 630 for a half hour. No one's home yet. Nobody's nobody's home changed because 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 the they needed they needed an act to go on between thirty five and forty five minutes to allow the first act of the co headline to have a full crowd. You were you were you were basically the electromagnetic, hey there's something happening on stage. Right. Better get the popcorn and beer and sort it out and get to our seats. By the end of the open, who cares about the opening act? But it, 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 was, it was always that. It's like, who cares about that? Were you that humble at the time, or were you like, no, I'm going to show these people? Show who? There was <laughs> 250 people out there. 
250 is a lot, though. That's the most we've ever sold to a show. In an 18,000-seat venue, it doesn't That's seem like a lot. <laughs> Right. You know, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> foreigner shows up, and there's you know ten thousand people. I'm like, were they hiding in the bushes? I'm like, <laughs> what the hell happened? They were with the big Z. They wanted the big ZD. They were out in the. They were all having big ZD. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's what I'm saying. It, 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 so there, there was that. The best gigs, though, by far, that I made the most fans. Um, it's a tie. BB King, Peter Frampton. Really? Something about BB's audience accepted me. Remembered my last name. Somehow, you know, wasn't like this. Bono, what? What? What is it? Some guy, you know, plays too loud. And Peter <laughs> and Peter Frampton, and Peter Frampton was the proof of concept to a different type of audience that I've never experienced before. Because before that, I was playing to, you know, open up for George Thorogood, or you know, and 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 you know, that's a blues rock crowd. You Indeed. know, BB King, blues rock crowd. Indeed. You know, being the being the the walk-in music, you really can't gauge it, you know? Uh, unless it was one of those things where, like, some of these amphitheater tours are run through smaller gigs, you know, like Saratoga Winery and stuff like that. And that, that means everybody was there, you know? The gigs with Kenny Wayne, Johnny Lang, you know? And it was... Once I got in front of Peter Frampton's audience, it was, a, it was not a blues audience. It was a, it was a rock, pop heritage act audience. They were there for hits. Some reason they liked what I did. And we would sell hundreds of CDs in the lobby. So much so. Hundreds. I cut my set five minutes. So you go sell more. Thank you. And wow. because at that point, and still to this point, you know, if, if you're booked in those kind of situations, you're making $150, 250 You know. You know, you're booked to you can open up for so-and-so, but the pro would say, hey, listen, I'll give you 500 bucks or give you $250,000. like, wait a minute, you know? Yeah. 500 is good. It's good money. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we're living on CDs. And I said to myself, after the first show, I'm like, here's how I'm going to win everybody over, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, this tour is going to be successful. I said, they want me to play 45 minutes. I have no crew. I got one guy. Yeah, I have one guy, too. One guy, yep. no crew, but the crew, Peter Frampton's crew, wants to set as much time as they can get to reset the stage and get their, you know, get everything perfect, the better. Get said, your shit off stage. So I said, listen, I right. said, would you guys be totally offended if I played 40 minutes and just gives everybody more time? And the production manager's like, this is amazing. Because most, the, 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 most people would say, hey, you know what? If I can get 15 minutes, the more time I get in front of the audience, the more I'm going to win them over. I looked at it completely the opposite. I said, if I can't prove my point in 40 minutes, then they're not liking me either way. That's genius. They're not going to like me in 90 minutes. They're not going to like me in 10. True. You can prove your point. Moment of truth, third, fourth song, you're done. You've mentioned the moment of truth a couple of times, and you had some defining variables about it that were astounding. Mm -hmm. Well, in context of this, yeah. I would always put our... At that point, our closing song and our club shows, third. People are getting seated. People are going, who the fuck's that? Now, by the third song, they're digesting it. So give them your best. Then you go, oh, then you get the ovation, blah, blah, blah. And then hopefully you got a second closer or an encore. So it was basically one, two songs, 
I never played more than four or five songs in a, in a, in a night. You're an EP, yeah, for the night. Because they were long form, jam, you know, whatever. And it Did would, jam, yeah. You know, so why, pay, why play more songs and like sweat the time, just play less and end early? And then I would end, tipped everybody, all the, all the crew guys every night, and then like, all of a sudden my guitars were packed. You know, they go, hey, put your gear on the semi. We have some room, blah, blah, blah. I don't have to deal with that. And then I would just sprint for the lobby. By yourself, no tour manager walking no, you there. No, no, no. I would sprint to the lobby. Still sweaty. I would, I would, I, I incentivized, you know, the, the merch people, you know, Peter's merch people, and they would set up my CDs and do all this stuff. And I said, I'll come. She, I was like, I go, I'll give you a percentage of this thing. She's like, yeah, but you got to come out here and sign. I go, I'll be here with bells on. And Lily, I would walk out and it would be a line. And it would be a line and I'd sign and I'd sign and I'd sign and I'd sign. And we lived on that money. We started our company on that money because, because you know, when you make $250 a night and all of a sudden you did $4,500 in merch as an opening act, that's a big deal. That's huge. It's a big deal. And that paid for Blues Deluxe. That paid, that played, paid for Had to Cry Today. All of that sweat equity was reinvested. And that's how it all became JNR Adventures. Because of people like Peter Frampton, BB King, Thorogood, allowing me an audience allowed me to have an audience for, with their audience. And, oh. and I found people, and I go, hmm, there's 2,000 people that like me tonight, and they like George Therogood. Maybe I can, maybe they'll like me enough to come back, you know, and we come back to the market religiously that year. That year, okay. And just see how it played analytically, and all of a sudden, we're not doing 40 people, we're doing 140 people, 200 people. Right. So it, it connected and then those 240 people told 500. And, and it, it started to snowball. You don't stop, though. Always on the road. Used to be. Yeah, right now. <laughs> right now. No, no. When I'm I was, retired. In 2009, I had sent your website an email being like, I, um, I'm, four, I'm 13 years old. Joe's my biggest hero. If at all possible, I'd love to meet him. And I was, I, I was a kid, so I didn't know the process of meet right. and greets and right. sound checks. And a couple months later, I never heard back. And the, a couple months later, I get this cardboard package in the mail, and it was a silver Sharpie signed by you. And it said, sorry, I couldn't make it. Right. And it was just like, still to this day, I realize now, even now we're talking about now, it's the most full circle thing where it's like the people who are there for you and the people who are your fans, that truly is the most important thing. Not how you perceive yourself as an artist, what you wish you were better at, wish you were cool as this person. Mm. It's about the fans. About the, it's about the fans. It's about the direct connection to the fans. And, and at some point, every artist needs to have a come-to-Jesus moment about that. And Do you remember that when that, that was for you? Day one. I appreciated everyone who came to the show because yep. Same we're, here. We're, they were coming out in the tens. You know, yeah. <laughs> they were flocking there you know, in, in groups of five and it'd stop it. Four groups of five, you know, <laughs> and you know that was one of the things that you go. You have to remain humble. You have to remain, even though I'm outspoken. People it, take that for arrogance. It's not. I'm it's outspoken different. because I have an opinion. And very different. The, the, it's very different. Um, but you have to remain humble, and you have to have remain. You have to have a perspective of it. 
because Come the on. way I always looked at it, that's why, unfortunately, like we don't do any opening acts, and we haven't done it for 15 years, because the way I look at a show, the way it's scaled, and the way people's behavioral patterns are, if you're going to be a Monday through Sunday artist, okay, chances are you're going to play more shows during the week than you are on the weekends. People work. They have kids. Maybe they can't make it to the show or don't want to come to the show. They have a babysitter. And they have work tomorrow. That's why I go on religiously at 8 o'clock. Out of respect to the fans who get there. Ticket says 8. I go on at 8. You do, yeah. It, it, is, it is a hard 8. When you buy a ticket from your, from your company, there's, I think, four or five different messages that come to the consumer saying, we're going on at 8. Mm-hmm. Not a minute later. I've held... I've held four shows <laughs> in, in 15 years. <laughs> I held one because of the damn ice capades. Okay. Jammed sure. up the arena while we were playing the theater that was attached. <laughs> and, you know, you're looking at a theater sold out of 1,800 people. That's great. And, and, you know, at 10 minutes to 8, you got 350 people in there. I'm like, this isn't going to work, right? So we held 10 minutes. I held at Red Rocks because of a storm. I held a few other times just because of something happened that didn't that didn't that didn't jive with our normal procedure. Now normally you get in most of the crowd comes between eight seven thirty and seven forty five. They they're, really start getting in there between seven forty five and seven fifty. They're that late, they're that that, that last they're, minute. You know, they're, they're, there's nothing to see. You know, it's you're gonna see house lights in a in a stage. And Oh, wow. Between five, five minutes to eight, that's when they all come in. And they trickle in between the first and second song. But by the second, beginning of the second song, everybody's in there. Because, you know, they don't. And the weird times is when we do hold five minutes, you'll see people getting antsy. <laughs> They're like, going, what, what happened? I was looking at the watch. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like you know, and I, I always say something about it. Like, listen, we had to hold because of whatever. It, it, to me, it's out of respect to the fans who put you there to get them home by the late local news. Oh, come on. They got to cut the babysitter by 11, so the show ends at 10, 10. They get to the car, they go home. Chances are they all live, you know, locally. You know, some some travel, multiple shows, there's a lot of those. But, but, you know, they... 90% of the crowd lives within a 20 to 30 minute drive. Next thing you know, they're home by... 10 minutes to 11, pay the babysitter. They, you know, put the kids to bed or whatever. In bed by one. Yeah. And no, they're, they're, they're in bed watching the late local news or the Tonight Show or whatever. And they go, you know what? And they wake up the next morning at 6.30 and start their day and they go back to work. And they go, you know what? This wasn't, a, this wasn't like, I'm not dragging today. Because you, as an artist, were thoughtful enough about the time to go, you got to think about the next day, and then that's that gauges their willingness to come back. Quality of the show, convenience of it, everything. That's why I'm such a stickler. We brief the ushers, we brief the security. It's like don't harass the fans. If they want to stand up and dance, let them dance. Don't sit there and you know get these guys with their 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 Napoleon complexes. You know, I've actually wow. bopped a couple on the head with a telly one time. But um, I bet a nice telly too. 
the no-caster sitting over there. Um, Is that the one you bought in GC Hollywood? That's it. I but, was there with you that day. I don't know if you remember right. that. That's right. And I think you had just said, I, you know, I just bought a house. I'm not sure if I should buy this. And mm -hmm. then I think it was five seconds later and you said, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll buy it. That's right. And, and, I, was, and I, I gave him, I, I traded into it, but it turned out to be the best guitar I ever bought. It's an amazing guitar. But the thing about the, the totality of the experience for the fans should be tantamount in importance to an artist because mm. you need to be, you need to be where I, you know, like you, you, you want to see how people are treated at the door. You want to see how people are treated just in general by security at the venue. You know, you really want to be, because that's all reflective on yourself. I went to a Dan Donato concert, and, and this, 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 some, you know, this, this bully security guy, you know, was, was, was pushing people and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they, 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 you know to a lot of these kind of corporate venues, it's, you're just a number. It's like, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's just a fan, it's just an act, who cares? Like, you know, I get paid either way. Well, that doesn't work for Joe Bonamassa, and and oh, yeah, and great. and we've let security people go. We fired them on the spot during the show. I've intervened. You've intervened. I, I, I intervene when I see security people bullying fans. I don't get on with bullies, and when I see that in the front row, because I can see the, I can see them. I don't. Nothing bad is happening. People are just having fun, and they're up and dancing. And the whole by the end of the show, I get everybody up and dance, you know. And 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 as long as nobody's being obnoxious and hurting somebody else or or pushing and shoving, then that's that's when the security guys go, "Hey, you got to get, you know." And there's a there's a calm way to to deal with the situation. And then there's the I want to make myself feel good and push people around, kind of way. And I just don't subscribe to it. So we're very 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 careful about how we brief um you know the security and and you know and, and for that reason that's literally insane to me so mm. it's like the, literally the concept i remember you tell me when we had cigars not too long ago where it was like someone didn't let you into your own show oh it happens all the time that's why they have to um they post a picture of me dressed like this <laughs> or my street clothes because you know, I, I don't assume anybody knows who I am, but I, but but what I won't do, I I I have a weird hang-up about wearing my own pass. I shouldn't have to wear my own pass. It's your name. It, exactly. And if I was a member of a band, okay, it'd be a different story. But and then there's always like you know, it's like the it's like the it's like you know, I walk in and I go, hey, no worries, I'm I'm yeah, I'm the artist, blah, blah blah. I must be, yeah yeah yeah, fine fine, you know. And then there's the ones that'll chase you down. Go, hey, I'm talking to you. I'm like. I was done talking to you at the door. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I don't care who you think you're talking. I'm the boss. It doesn't. It, I go. It doesn't matter. It who's because the way I look at that person is like if he's going to treat me that way, he's going to treat everybody else that way. That means my friends that are going to come in the backstage. God willing, my mom. Okay, you, you don't fuck with Deborah Bonamassa. Okay, she 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 fears no security. Okay? Zero. Yeah, of course. And, and <laughs> so, to me, that that. That is a red flag, and that's a it's a bad representation of your show, and you have to you know you deal with that. Man, there's a mastery here that is just unbelievably pronounced. 
Well, you just have to think all aspects of it through. You oh, know? You, that's insane, though. Because, because people just go, ah, just we play this club and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you, the, what's the worst thing? I mean, like, you don't want to hear the next day that somebody got punched out by a security. These are pay, fans that pay and come see you play and want to just come and enjoy a show with the best of intention. All of a sudden, you know, you know, a yellow shirt's, you know, got them up against the wall and, a, you know, choking them. It's like, wait a minute. This is not, right. this is supposed to be fun. Just because this guy never got drafted to the NFL and he's all angry. Yeah, or he's angry like he's about something, or, <laughs> or, you know, he's burned down his job, or, or, he, right, of course. Or, or he gets off on bullying people. That's because, a sick thing. Mm-hmm. It's a sick, sick like, thing. It's, it's not worth it. It's not worth having those people around. And by the way, you pay them. Do you know that? I know. It goes into the production fee. It goes and into the production cost. You're paying them. Production they work, costs they work hurt. for you. And, and if you ever want to get a rise out of them, you just remind them of that little fact. When you settle a show... And they put production costs and there's security and stuff like that. That stuff that's deducted from your guarantee and your pay and your back end and everything else. Of course. Okay, going directly into the person's pocket that, that, that are driving your fans out the back door. Drives me nuts. That drives me nuts. Whoa. I, I, I imagine much doesn't drive you nuts now because you probably have it down to a, a bond of science where it's just like... Not it, really, but yeah. No, I mean, nothing... There's nothing that you can't solve. You know, artists that make it difficult to play gigs tend to burn out, tend to have other issues, tend to project their own problems on others. My way of leadership in my own little world on the road is I always tell everyone, it's from light guys to sound guys to IATSE representatives, listen, people, it's not that hard to do a gig. Matter of fact, we just did one last night. It's not that hard. Everybody has fun. If we just, if we just calm down, do everything in a calm fashion, you know, there's no fire drills here. You know, there's no, there's, there shouldn't be. If you have a well-oiled machine and a plan, and you're pro, and you're on time, and you're professional, it's not that hard to do a gig. When things start getting wonky, people show up late or not at all. There's acrimony. Oh, it, then, it, then it, each gig becomes like you know, like a, a, a like a death march, and you, and it's that's not fun because a tour that's six weeks feels like it's you know, six years. Six weeks. When will the next six week gig be? I mean, that is. Who knows? That's terrifying. But, well, it, this is beautiful. Thank you for sharing all this. No problem. Anytime. Whoa, that means the absolute world to me. Anytime. We're, we're sitting here in... Uh, Nerdville East. Nerdville East. Why Nerdville Gotham? Uh, that's a chip on my shoulder. Uh, that was just pure midlife crisis shit. You'll understand when you're 43. I'd like to. When you, I, when you, when you live in New York City and you're that's a dream. 20... It's, it's great. When you're 20 and every cent yeah. is dedicated to shelter and preserving life, Halal food, right? Are just are just freaking bodegas, peanut butter and jelly and ramen noodles. You know what I mean? Every living moment is spent worried. And last year, I just was in a spot in my life. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna rent an apartment. Ah, I don't need it. It was a total. It's gonna be a waste of money ultimately. Um, <laughs> but I did it because after 20 years. Proud enough of my accomplishments to that point. Of course. Where I can go be in New York 
and and not have to worry about money. It was frantic. It was frantic, and singing jingles. I was doing, I was doing everything, and you know, hustling gigs. We were on the road, and it was just like the rent due, due, due. Everything past due, past due. And I was like, I oh, mean, I can't do this. But you needed to be in the big city. You, need, you know, at that point in time, you needed to be in New York or LA. I finally moved to LA because it was cheaper. When was that? That was in 2003. Do you look fondly back on the struggles? Do you look fond? Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. What would you have done? What would you have told yourself differently to have kind of allotted maybe some, some leverage, some, some? Hey, listen, Joe, you're not even 30. What are you worrying about? You can't, you can't go back retroactively and tell yourself anything because if you do, it's like going back and. 50 years and all of a sudden a mosquito lands on your arm and you and you and you you smash it and then all of a sudden you know life looks a lot different right you know so you can't go back retroactively and, and regret anything because it just happened your journey is your journey you can say you know keep going kid you're gonna make it one day there's no guarantees you know keep going because you know uh you know in, in five years you're gonna end up doing this no, you keep going because you can't do, you can't live with yourself without doing it. That's why you keep going. And, and that's the biggest thing wow. you can teach anybody. It's like, it's like the only wow. reason to keep going is because you can't live with yourself. You can't look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, you know, I did it. You know, I had a good run, but, you know, I'm going to go in the corporate sector, you know, whatever, get a job. And that is the only reason to keep going. If you're if you're gonna go, hey, listen, you know, I'm hoping to cash in big one day. That's highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Not that impossible, was... but the deck is stacked. Surely but that if, must have been your intention, though, but to that's... make money in some way. In about financial security was, was the, I think any music, I think any musician who says financial security is not would, would not be a luxury to them. Ego trap, right? Would 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 would, would not be passing a lie detector test if we were sitting here. Right. Nobody Very likes past due notices. No. Nobody likes that, you know, especially when you're a musician because, oh. because you don't know, there's no consistency to the, the, the income. It never has been, never will be. You know, it's not Even like now, you, even at your stage. Well, wow. Well, you work, you work and then you, you don't. And then you don't, right, right, right. Then you, you know? go and live in New York. Now you're spending $8 on a lox and cream cheese bagel. You're doing in LA. that. Yeah. By the way, Nashville's extremely expensive too. This isn't a cheap town. It's not a cheap town. No, it's hard. No, no. But my, it's a growing town, a good place to own real estate. My, my daily salad in New York City is $10.19. I, down the street here, I bought one today. It was $14. I go, how in the hell is downtown Nashville more expensive than Upper West Side Manhattan? It is in certain aspects. You're at $10.19 per unit of salad. That's great. Is that, is that including avocado? That's 69 cents extra. That's not bad. <laughs> they get it to you. <laughs> if you want to add, you know, if you want to add avocado or, or chilies, it's 60, 68 cents extra. So the whole bill, my entire dinner, the whole bill is like $13 with the Diet Coke. That's hero, man. You're an absolute hero. You have an unbelievable amount of self-control. Try doing that mental persistence. That's a $20 bill. That's insane. Hey, listen, it's a high-end town now. It's a different world. It's weird. I've Daniel, been thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. As always. Coincidentally, a few weeks after this interview was conducted, uh, on August 7, 2020, Joe 
re-released his first album. Initially, upon release, it was called A New Day Yesterday. The release that came out this year, 2020, was called A New Day Now. He re-sang all the songs, and they revamped it and made it more competitive for this day and age. So Joe's first album came out August 7, 2020. That was also the day that my first album, uh, A Young Man's Country, the first Cosmic Country record, came out. Um, if you guys would go and listen to both those albums, uh, there's something special happening with the guitar on both those records that any guitar player will, will sincerely, truly love. Um, what a sincere class act. One of my biggest heroes and forever will be. I cannot thank Joe enough again for, for taking the time to entertain my questions and to have such a meaningful conversation and be so honest. Um, it just means absolutely the world to me. And this was one of the most important conversations I've ever had in my life. Uh, the music that we're listening to right now is Rosalie McFall off the Pizza Tapes. Which you got, if you guys don't know what the Pizza Tapes is, Pizza Tapes are rather. Uh, sorry, Mr. Chester from AP English. Uh, you will lose your mind to hear about the, about the uh, amount of serendipity that went into this recording of music with uh, Jerry, with Jerry Garcia, Tony Rice, and and uh, David Grisman. Absolutely beautiful. And then we were we listened to the new version of Cradle Rock. Off a new day now, which the record I just mentioned a second ago, and then we're listening to on the intro as we always do a Grateful Dead cut here on the Lost Highway to start it, an odd version of a 1971 cut of Casey Jones Live, either Fillmore East or Fillmore West. I'm not entirely sure, but it really is a different take where Bobby's vocals are just so high in the mix. It's this, it's that young Bob Weir, which is its own beast, man. And who knows? Maybe we'll get Bob on the podcast one day. Um, I also just put out a video of, 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 of meditation on Bob's approach to guitar on YouTube. If you go check that out. Um, we just did a repressing of 200 or 300 more Cosmic Country uh, vinyls. Absolutely beautiful. We sold out of all 500. I cannot thank you guys enough for that. If you guys would want to support the podcast, please do indeed subscribe and leave a cosmic comment of honesty and love or criticism. Cosmic criticism is fine as well. Um, subscribe to me on YouTube. Uh, support me on Patreon. It's Daniel Donato on Patreon. Subscribe to me on Instagram. If you're analog and you're somehow listening to this, that is just fine to you. Just subscribe to me in your heart and soul and listen to, the, to listen to the podcast episode. We do one or two of these every week. Um, I cannot thank you guys enough for all the support that you've been showing uh, since in the month of this record being out. Um, we're at over 200,000 streams now. It, it, each one means the world to me. Love you guys. Stay positive. Stay cosmic.